welcome to 15 Minutes in Canberra. I'm Hayley Channer, Senior Policy Fellow with the Perth US Asia Centre. Today we are speaking with Lindsay Freeman. Lindsay is a major in the Australian Army and has served with Army for more than 15 years. She serves as a Senior Instructor for the Defence Force's Women, Peace and Security courses. What that means is she teaches Australian and international military, as well as government officials, how to apply a gender lens to military operations. Lindsay has also been deployed to Timor-Leste and Malaysia and worked with the national forces of those countries. In addition, she is a co-founder of the publishing platform Propel Her Defence Women's Leadership Series, as well as Women in Future Operations through UNSW, where she is a senior visiting fellow. Lindsay, thank you for joining us. Thank you so much, Haley. I appreciate it. The first subject I want to touch on is for many people outside of defence circles, the Australian Defence Force is a little bit of an unknown quantity. In the news, the typical thing Australians see is either bad news about Australian soldiers in Afghanistan or the Middle East, or they see our ADF doing things totally unrelated to the military, like handing out toilet paper during COVID-19 lockdowns, or fighting fires during Australia's bushfire season. For those who don't know anything about the Australian Army, uh, what is it like to work in Army? And do you also agree that there is a mismatch between the public perception and the actual reality? Yeah, I definitely agree. I think that comes from um, what the media show in terms of um, of our equipment. So the the sexy military stuff, uh, the tanks, the helicopters. I agree with that. Um, but to me, like being a member of the military, I feel very much part of the community. Um, you know, I drop my kids to daycare every day in my uniform. Um, I see all the other parents there in their uniforms. Um, you do so many kind of community charity things, um, and our whole focus is on keeping the community safe. So that mismatch um, has always perplexed me because the military is just essentially an arm of the government. Um, and yeah, our role is is quite, um, you know, outward looking as in out of Australia looking um, for Australia's national security. But, you know, our growing role is in Australia. And I, I think that's really important. And I think that perception will change over time. Mm. And do you think also modern army officers appreciate the fact that they're having to do more things within Australia than they would have imagined that they might be doing, say, fighting wars overseas? I think we've always had that domestic focus um, and there's been the growing focus in the Pacific region, but um, we've always had all our major exercises in Australia and we've had our international partners come and join that. Um, so we, we exercise here, we train here uh, throughout all our officer training, all our um, our shoots, our tactical exercises with our troops are all Australian-based. So we are kind of bred to have that focus, but then as soon as you get to, you know, one of the combat brigades, um, you know, you you're immediately lining men mentally up for a trip, you know, traditionally to the Middle East. Um, but now I think that people are going to be more domestic and uh, Indo-Pacific focused. Now, I did mention before your role as a senior instructor for the Women, Peace and Security courses, you're a huge contributor to and supporter of women in the armed forces and women's leadership. And while it's self-evident to me, for those who either haven't really thought about it or aren't convinced that women bring a unique quality to our armed forces, can you help explain the role that diversity plays and what women's leadership brings to the ADF? 
Yeah, absolutely. I am one of those sickos that jumps out of bed in the morning to get to work. I love my job and I know we've only got 15 minutes. I love it. I love it. So, um, yes, yeah, so as you said, so my, my role is um, is applying UNSCR, so the UN Security Council Resolution 1325's Women, Peace and Security Agenda uh, and overlaying that gender lens on how we do military um, operations. Um, so very much the, the, the protection and the participation of women uh, is key to that, um, and that cognitive diversity and the value that 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 um, that you know, empowering women to participate meaningfully and actively in across the broad spectrum of not just military operations but politics and business and all that type of stuff um, is is absolutely key. Um, so I, f- I feel like we're getting past the point in the discussion where we say women are needed, um, and I love that the, I love that you're using the word diversity because I think cognitive diversity is what's needed, and I like to look at that in terms of you know socioeconomic, um, ethnic, religious upbringing, um, even you know where you grew up in Australia is really important. And there's so many studies done that says the teams that have that cognitive diversity are able to create better outcomes. The leadership is better, the followership is better, a followership just as important as leadership. In terms of women's participation in the ADF, um, you've got to look at the places or the people that we are going in to protect. Um, if that population is 52% women, uh, you need that gender perspective um, to have, you know, to be successful in your mission, to be able to support them and realise what their, you know, what their requirements are, their different um, threats and opportunities. Uh, it, it's it's not just a nice to have. It's past that point of discussing it as a feminist agenda. You know, that women need to need to participate. It's actually mission essential. We aren't going to have, you know, Australia's own national resilience um, and then in resilience we create, you know, creating security in the Pacific if we don't have a gender perspective, which is exactly what, um, you know, what my course at the moment that I'm running, exactly what that teaches. And you've been in Army for 15 years. I have a bit more of a personal question to ask, which is about have you seen a shift either in the Australian Armed Forces or just in militaries generally in how they respond to and incorporate diversity within the ranks? Yeah, I have absolutely seen a shift. Um, you know, everything from when I was at for 15 years ago, um, I know that I personally wouldn't have reported, um, you know, instances of um, harassment or um, bullying or anything like that. It was still, you know, accepted as that general culture. Now, I feel like it's very different. Yeah, it still happens um, occasionally, but it is reported and it is dealt with um, and the Defence Force places like a really high priority on dealing with that and getting rid of people that don't that don't align with defence values. Um, and that is that that is a massive shift that I've definitely felt. Um, I felt that my my you know, my place is like a woman, a mother in the Defence Force. Um, you know, I've really kind of had to hone it out, but I hope that that you know myself and all the people that have that have had to kind of find their place it's getting a little easier as each generation comes through um so i'm kind of proud of that of that path um yeah i but but also the more that we accept mothers which means the more we accept fathers and i think that's a really important thing because you know if someone is um usually in the defense force as a father as a father they have a civilian wife that needs to get back to the workforce and work and be supported so if we're an organization organization that supports women naturally i think we're going to better support men which is really important I'm really pleased to hear that. It sounds like um, the Australian Army has been on a similar journey to business and workplaces across the country where 
they're getting used to the idea of 50-50 men and women and mm. treating people with a bit more uh, equality. Yeah, yeah, creating a work, creating a workplace that is for um, parents, for families, for normal people, <laughs> yeah. Now, Lindsay, um, part of working for any armed forces, whether it's Australia's or another country's, um, is a requirement to conform. Now, I've never served in the military personally, but I have worked as a civilian in the Department of Defence, and the public service itself encourages a certain degree of conformity. However, when you think about leadership, showing leadership can sometimes require you to break out of the mould and challenge either your colleagues or your superiors. How do you balance being part of a united fighting force, but then on the other hand, showing authentic leadership? Uh, that is, uh, that's a fantastic question because this is the push-pull that I have felt almost my whole career. I'm just getting to the to the place now where I have found, you know, this authenticity, and I am comfortable to sit in that. Um, but gosh, that's been a that's been a tough journey, and every single person is on that journey. I, I have not met anyone that's come into the defence force um, and immediately be able to be their authentic self. But you know, but overlaid on what the defence force actually needs out of its members. Um, so you go into training, and yes, they they kind of you know break you down into a a uniformed force. Um, they align you with their values. Um, you get inculcated in that culture, um, which I, I personally really enjoy. It's going to be very hard for me to leave in the future because I love the military culture, all about you know that mateship and resilience. Um, but to try and to try and grow your authentic self out of that conditioning is very very hard. And there seems to be an aha moment when people discover that. Um, and mine was at um, was at a unit where um, you know people may. Have not been managed as well in the past of that unit and I was pregnant with my first child and I just thought bugger it I'm about to go on maternity leave and I brought a little <laughs> bit of a little bit of you know um, I was feeling very maternal just a little bit of you know extra maternal love and just you know tried to manage people really well went around chatted to people about the issues that they were having uh, and about seven people pulled their discharged and stayed in the military just because of that because I finally felt their chain of command was just giving them that extra bit of attention that they needed and that was just me going, oh, wow, that authenticity really worked <laughs> as I'm heavily pregnant. And you're probably yeah. also um, giving voice to something that a lot of people were feeling, but it was unspoken at the time. So you gave people that space to um, confide in your, I imagine. Yeah, but I just let my own, I suppose, my own personality shine through in my dealings with everyone where I have been conditioned to, you know, to just not kind of muck around and, and chat and, and, and whatnot with the soldiers, particularly as a female officer, because people could get the wrong idea. Um, you know, I'm, I'm quite a cheery person. They might think you're flirting. So I had to really kind of, you know, um, sanitize my personality. And when I could just let it shine through because I was pregnant and no one, you know, no one <laughs> thought I was flirting with anyone. Um, it really worked. It made my leadership better. It made people respond to me better. And um, and I had a, a much happier unit that I was, you know, in charge of. Also, I would hope that um, people would treat you really well, not because you're about to leave and go on maternity leave, but I imagine it'd be pretty hard to get angry with a pregnant lady. Yes. <laughs> I, I was the one that was in Darwin and hot and angry and bloated. Yes. Oh, this is up in Darwin. Wow. <laughs> So, Lindsay, my next question is actually about your overseas military service and working with militaries from our region. You spent time in Timor-Leste and Malaysia. 
Do you have a couple of um, lessons, life lessons or takeaways from working with militaries um, or working with other cultures in our region that you'd like to share? Mm, absolutely. It's been, um, it's been, you know, a couple of years since I've kind of worked actively in the Pacific, um, you know, just having children and my career took a bit of a different journey. But because I was thinking about that, that exact question um, for so long, I actually wrote an article that's just about to get released through the National Institute of Strategic Resilience um, that talks about um, valuing uh, gender in the Pacific. Um, and so that has come from my experiences in Timor, um, on exercise in Malaysia and in Penang. Um, and that article is mainly about about the way that um, Australia and the ADF values those real grassroots local initiatives that are led by women that are addressing the things that, that bring security to the region. Um, so whether that's um, the rise of fundamentalism and reversing women's rights, um, you know, addressing that there's so many um, women-led groups in the Pacific that are addressing extremism and, and the effects of that. Um, uh, it's it's inspiring. We just don't place the value on it. And when I say value, I'm talking like acknowledgement, resources, um, support. We don't place as much value on it because they are not usually the women that are in those higher leadership positions. And that's what we tend to value because we value hierarchy. So um, this article is about going and looking for those initiatives and placing that value on it that we that we normally would to, to things that are actively helping to assist our cause. Mm. It's something I'm really proud of having worked for the Defence Department is a knowledge that the Australian Defence Forces are so highly regarded in the Pacific and the partnerships that we have with countries in the Pacific are really appreciated and treated as a, you know, mutual benefit, not just one larger country helping smaller countries. Lindsay, uh, I wanted to ask you finally about uh, a life lesson that you could share with other people who are either just beginning their careers and interested in perhaps joining the Australian Defence Force or just a lesson that you would tell your younger self about, you know, life and working in the military and having a professional career. So I think the, I think the advice that I would give my younger self about to join the military is to say, be prepared to give. Um, don't come in with any sense of entitlement that, you know, that you have joined and they owe you and the country owes you or anyone owes you anything. Be prepared that you are joining a force that will take and take and you need to be prepared to give. What you do get in return is the most incredible experiences that no one else outside the ADF will get. Um, you get to meet incredible people, do amazing things. You get... Um, you know, you, you get that legitimacy of, of being, um, of being seen as, you know, a leader in national security. Um, you get access to incredible academic opportunities, but you need to come in with no entitlement to any of that and give not just your nine to five work hours, but extra time, extra time to that. Um, but it is worth it. It is so worth it. I would definitely tell my younger self to stick with it out of the many times that I wanted to discharge and I wanted to leave and I was fed up with it. I'm in an incredible spot right now in my career and I have a lot more autonomy than I've ever had um, and I'm so thankful for that and I'm ready to give some more. I'm interested to know, say we fast forward 10 or 20 years, is there one aspect of the Australian Defence Force that you would like to see changed in any way? Yeah, so say, you know, say your children want to join the military in future, what kind of Australian Defence Force um, would you like them to be joining that could improve upon where we are right now? Mm. 
That's a great question. I ponder on that a lot because my, I mean, my four-year-old wants to be a unicorn, but my three-year-old son can make. We all want to be unicorns. We we don't have any type of, you know, guns, um, play guns in the house for him to play with, but he will make a weapon out of anything. So I'm thinking that he might, he might be interested in joining the ADF. So I think a lot about what a, what type of ADF I would want for them to join in, you know, in, um, in 15 years. Um, and it's one where we are, uh, where that focus on inclusivity and diversity is to the point where he never has to talk about it, where, um, you know, where gender equality and the, the things that I push for that, uh, you know, that acknowledgement of the, the differences between men and women, the value that they bring is not even a subject that he would even have to think about if he joined. Um, and if my daughter graduates from unicorn school and then wants to join the, <laughs> join the military, she, she would not even, uh, she would not even you know, imagine why I'm pushing so hard for gender equality um, in the ADF. It wouldn't even come to her mind. She'd be so focused on her job, focused on on the mission, focused on being the best leader that she can be, that it wouldn't even be on her radar. That would be my dream. Lindsay, it's so delightful speaking with you. You give me so much energy and enthusiasm, and I'm so glad that there are people like you in our military and that you're representing our country overseas. Thank you so much for sharing all of your expertise today, and good luck. Thanks, Haley. I appreciate your time. Thanks so much.